31 and verse 31, or I'm sorry, Job 31, verse 1. And you can hold it there for a minute as I talk because of all that Job had gone through. First of all, I feel like I've been talking about Job a lot recently. Um, and I don't think it's because of his core, uh, the core message of Job, but there's just so much wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in the book of Job. So much that we can gather from this one book that, again, we could go on and on and on on the teachings that we can find just from the story of Job, the book of Job. But we know, I'm sure all of us know the story of Job and the calamity that fell his life, the destruction of his livelihood, the passing of his children, his wife asking him, why don't you just, you know, turn your back on God, curse him, and die? Well, we know that the whole purpose of this, the whole reason for this is because the devil came to God and and God said, hey, have you considered my servant Job, right? Often we think it's because I'm bad, that's why I'm doing this, or it's because I'm no good, or it's because I'm a sinner, that's why all these bad things are happening to me. Hey, sometimes it's because you're good, and it's because God trusts you that God's allowing those things to be in your life. Hallelujah. Now, that's not my lesson today, but that's just a little bit extra on top. That's the cherry on top. Hallelujah. But we see in the story of Job that his friends who gathered together as Job is now sick in his body, the devil has attacked him physically. He's sitting in his own ashes and and he's scraping his flesh with, with things, with pot, uh, pieces of pottery and, and cutting away uh, the boils on his flesh. Such a disgusting uh, view there. His friends come and they begin to talk to him. And, and they, as if they're trying to convince him, they begin to talk about how Job must have a secret life of sin. It just it has to be that way. Because... God would now allow all of these hardships to fall on somebody who was righteous. Again, that was their reasoning. That's often our reasoning. We can't really blame the friends for thinking that way, but we also must recognize it's just not always the case, right? Praise God. And, and Job, he, he could sit back. He could recognize. He, he knew that he was righteous, and we know because we get to see the scriptures afterwards, right? We know that Job was righteous, but how do you convince everyone else you're righteous? (laughs) I mean, it seems at this point, God is just out to get Job. One thing after the other's going wrong in his life. How would anybody be convinced that Job 
is righteous. And, and essentially, that is a majority of the book of Job's. Job's friends telling him he's unrighteous and this is happening because of his sin. And Job trying to convince him, his friends that he is, in fact, innocent. And in Job chapter 31, this is Job's final speech. Some have labeled this Job's oath of innocence. It's his final chance to convince them, I am pure and have done nothing wrong. And and of course, he begins with one of the most impressive statements that I think he could have given. He says, Job 31 and 1, I made a covenant with mine eyes. He said, listen, I am not righteous because you think I'm righteous. I'm not righteous because I have to convince you of it. I'm not trying to be a good person because of you or because people are watching me. I didn't make a covenant with you. I didn't make a covenant even with God. I made a covenant with mine own eyes that I should not look upon a maid. Praise God. So basically his defense, his evidence of purity was this. I made a covenant. Hallelujah. I made a covenant. Now why was he so passionate about that. Why was he so convinced? Well, Job 31 and 4, he says, he explains, doth not he, God, see my ways and count all my steps? He says, even when you could not see me, I knew that God saw me. So I had to make a covenant with my eyes. Hallelujah. I had to make a personal resolution within me to remain pure and holy, not for your sakes, Praise God. But because I knew that the Lord always had his eyes on me. And then he says this, verse 7, If my step hath turned out of the way, and my heart walked after mine eyes. If my heart walked after mine eyes, and if any blot hath cleaved to mine hands, then let me sow, verse 8, then let me sow and let another eat. Yea, let my offspring be rooted out. He says, listen, if it comes down to it and it's really because I have not done what I said I've done and my eyes have caused my heart to, to lust or to be impure, he says, then let everything that has happened to me, let it be so. He said, but this is my conviction. I have made a covenant with my eyes. So I know that this is not true. He says, but listen, I know I can be confident that this is not the reason for my current predicament. I know that if my steps had turned out of the way, if my heart walked after mine eyes, then yeah, all of this would have made sense. He says, but I am confident that's not the case. Number one, because... I made a covenant. 
My heart didn't go after mine eyes because I made a covenant with mine eyes. Praise God. Today, I know, you know, again, if you've been raised in church, you've probably heard about this, but I want to talk about an eye covenant today that I believe we should make and create within our own lives. Hallelujah. Because at the end of the day, I want to be able to say like Job, I know that this has not befallen me out of due to unrighteousness. And it's not because everybody else thinks I'm righteous. Hallelujah. I'm not doing it for you or anyone else. I made a covenant with mine own eyes. Therefore, I know I am pure in the eyes of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. The fact is that every single one of us are in constant battle with impurity. Is that all right? Is that a fair statement? And this is the reason exactly why Job needed an eye covenant because even in his day he recognized that the lusts of the flesh were constantly attempting to wedge its way into his life. First Peter 2.11, it tells us, praise God, that's not it either. Maybe I missed it, praise the Lord. That's all right if I did. First Peter 2 and 11, I'll just read it to you. It says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. I'm not trying to over-dramatize this today. I truly believe there is a war for our soul. And the number one tactic the devil likes to use is the lust of our flesh. Am I right? There's a fight going on right now for our righteousness, our godliness, and our purity. Praise God. And don't think that you've outgrown it. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Somebody said uh, to me recently, some of you were there. You'll know who I'm talking about, but you are sworn to secrecy. Somebody said to me recently, they said, I don't, I, it doesn't bother me one bit. I don't lust anymore. It, I can, you know, do things and it doesn't bother me. I just, I don't even have a desire for those things anymore. I don't lust anymore. I said, man, that, I wish I was you. Praise God. I said, because I've been living for God for a long time. I've been in ministry a long time. And I, I told him, surely, listen, I still got less. I have to fight with every single day. Praise God. Come on, as long as we still got this right here, we're going to still have to fight with that lust, right? The fleshly lust. And I'm not just talking about impurity as far as sexual relationships. I'm also talking about lusting after our brother or our sister's possessions. Lusting after their positions. Hallelujah. Come on now. That's, those are still things. And they're still sins. Praise God. The fact is, is that almost every sin that we could talk about today, it's root is in lust and the eyes. Praise God. Proverbs 31 and 3. 
I know this one was on there. It says, give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. I've been wanting to preach on that for a while. I haven't got a chance to do it. I'm going to do it a little bit here. Praise God. That which destroyeth kings. You know what that tells me? It tells me a couple different things. Number one, hallelujah, lust isn't just an issue for a teenager. Right? Praise God. Just as you don't outgrow in spiritually, you don't outgrow lust, you don't outgrow it physically. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I thought about this. I thought, man, you know, this sounds like something I need to teach to a youth class. But then I thought, no, this is something I need to teach to an adult class. Praise God. Because, look, it's not the princes and the princesses, and it's not the the little people. It's the sin that destroys kings. Praise God. That tells me it doesn't matter how hard, how long you've been in church, how much of a prayer warrior you, you think you are, how royal you think you are. Hallelujah. This is the, the, the sin that is coming after kings and queens. The Bible says that we are royalty in the house of the Lord. The Bible says that I am a prince in the kingdom of, the, of heaven. That tells me that this is the sin that particularly is coming after me particularly coming after you. Praise God. This is that which destroyeth kings. It's hard for a Christian to fall, and I'm not saying impossible, all right. But it's rare that a Christian's going to fall into murder. Right? Again, not impossible. It's, It's not often that you find Christians that fall into stealing. But man, I tell you, it's often... More often, I think, than we even realize how often Christians fall into impurity. Praise God. I'm getting a lot of head nods. Nobody wants to say amen on that one. Praise God. (laughs) Oh, I don't want to say anything. You're going to find me out. (laughs) But listen, this is which destroys Keith. Let me, I'll just add to it. This is what destroys Christians sexual impurity. Pornography. Can we just be honest here today? Hallelujah. Relationships outside of marriage. Man, I felt like it just got tight, like the whole air just. <laughs> Praise God. Of course, we know this was the sin of many people in the scriptures that fell. Of course, the most notable being. David, 2 Samuel 11 and 2. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed, walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman. From the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. From the roof, he saw. See, there is a normal process when it comes to these types of things. That process is uh, first you see, then you lust, then you commit that sin. That is the process. In Genesis 3 and 6, we see that the woman or Eve saw 
that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She first saw, then she lusted, then she partook of that. Hallelujah. First John 2.16, it tells us for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, look, it gets its own category, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. This is saying these are the three areas of temptation that every person falls into or or may be taken captive of. It's the lust of the flesh, meaning the things that I desire to take, the, the, the desires of the flesh that are not good for me, the lust of the eyes, desiring somebody's possessions, hallelujah, desiring what somebody, being jealous over somebody's stuff, and then the pride of life, hallelujah. That's just simply pride. But at least two, of the three of these directly involve the eyes. Hallelujah. Because if you look and you see, then the lust of the flesh begins to flare up. Praise God. The eyes are the windows to the soul. Is that what it said? The windows to the soul. In other words, it's the gateway to the soul. The devil knows if he's going to get you He first has to get through your eyes. And sadly, that's a lot easier (laughs) than I think uh, sometimes we uh, would care to admit. It's easy for the devil to put things in front of us. Why? Well, it's because we won't. We, we refuse not to watch that movie that looks so appealing just because there are sex scenes in it. Right? We have to watch it. Or that TV show. Well, everybody else is talking about it. I have to do it. Or listen to, or, or go down the street and read that magazine. It doesn't matter that there's something wrong on it. Or go on Facebook and look at all those other things and those other profiles you shouldn't be looking at. Hallelujah. It's because the devil knows this is an easy way to draw you in. It's the window for me to directly attack your soul. That's the reason today that Job said, I make a covenant with my eyes. It's because he recognized my eyes are the first line of defense. If you want victory in your soul and your spirit, it's got to start with the first line of defense, and that's the eyes. Hallelujah. I got to determine in my heart, I'm going to protect my eyes, what I see, what I look upon. I've got to protect it and protect our eyes. Anybody else say that today? I got to protect my eyes. That's why the psalmist said in 101 and 3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Hallelujah. Well, pastor, it's not that bad. That's not it. That's the next one. Pastor, it ain't so bad. I guess I missed that one. I, I think I think the computers, something's disconnected. It's not getting all of them. But you may think it's not that bad. Hallelujah. It's not a big deal. I'm just looking. But Jesus told us that just looking is automatically causing sin in the heart. I mean, I, I come on, can we be honest here today? 
Hallelujah. And I, I recognize uh, we got ladies. I know ladies deal with this just as much as men these days and, and oftentimes. Hallelujah. But as a man, I can only speak for a man. I know that this is a struggle. I know there's been times when I thought, sadly, hallelujah, I saw something I shouldn't think, and one of my first reactions is, you know, wow, look at that. I got an opportunity to see that. That's not right. Hallelujah. What do you think? Wait a minute. I gotta, I, I'm going to look upon this because this, this is something that I'm going to live with. I'm going I'm to take and I'm going to use that to, to allow lust into my heart. But he says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes because he recognized how the lust that enters into the eyes will slowly seep into the soul and call sin. And then Jesus said that whosoever looketh on a woman, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. That is a very real statement. It's a very devastating statement. How often in our culture do we see what we shouldn't see? All you got to do is drive down the road and you see a billboard, right? Hallelujah. I believe it's more important than ever before that a Christian gets their first line of defense and makes a covenant with their eyes. And I do want to point something out. It says that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her. See, we cannot allow the look to turn to lust. Now, I'm suggesting today that we protect our eyes, meaning we don't purposefully put things in our lives and in our ways that will cause us to lust. That includes television programs. That includes, you know, sometimes social media. That includes YouTube sometimes, right? It is about protecting yourself. But what happens when you cannot protect yourself? When it's there in front of you and you're being bombarded and you don't want to see it, but you just can't help it. We must not allow the look to turn to lust. Meaning your eyes are going to look. Right, And I know I've already taught on this this year. I won't take a lot of time with this. But your eyes are going to look. Sadly, human nature will not allow your eyes not to glance. But you have to bounce them right back off. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is the method called bounce of the eyes. Praise God. It's where you can't help but to look. It's not that you want to. You do everything you can not to look. But when your eyes are drawn to it, you take them right back off of them. You bounce them off before the look becomes the lust, right? Hallelujah. Praise God. Because that's when it becomes adultery. Just being in the same room with somebody who is scantily clothed may not be adultery itself. It's not until it develops into lust, but certainly we should protect ourselves from that. Jesus thought it was so important. He said that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her 
committeth adultery with her already in his heart. Then he said, And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Hallelujah. He's saying, whatever you've got to do to keep yourself from lusting, whatever you got to do to protect your soul, you make it happen. And he's not suggesting self-mutilation, but he's suggesting everything below that. <laughs> Hallelujah. That means if there are people in my life that calls me to lust, uh, I need to cut them out. Uh, and if there's movies or television programs uh, that calls me to lust, I need to cut it out. Uh, social media sites that calls me to lust, I need to cut it out. Uh, if my computer, if I can have a computer in my room without it turning into lust, I need to cut it out. Praise God. Uh, if I can't have a smartphone without it turning into lust, then I need to cut it out. Praise God. Uh, because it's either this, protect or pluck. You choose. Praise God. Protect or pluck. Either I'm going to protect my eyes and I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes or Jesus says you got to pluck it out. This is my conviction today. I say let's make a covenant. Let's protect ourselves. Let's build up a wall of protection and make a decision today. I'm going to cover my eyes. I'm going to protect what I see. I'm going to protect what I see. See, often we get this flipped. We make excuses based on the false assumption that we can never change our actions until we first experience a change of how we feel. We make a decision. We make a decision that I cannot protect my eyes until I change how I feel about it. But the actual, the truth is it's actually flipped around. See, this is how we think. I hope this put on. There we go. We think if I change my feelings, then that will equal a change of thinking, which will equal a change of behavior. I won't do the thing if I... First, protect my thinking, and by protecting my thinking, I have to change the way I feel. But the practical truth is this. We must change the behavior, then change the thinking, and after that, it will change the feelings. Now, we, we today, we all recognize our flesh desires to do things that are not good for us, Right? And we cannot change the desires of our flesh, but we can control it by first changing our behavior. So stop trying to make a decision and decide you're not going to lust after women anymore because the fact is the flesh will continually have those desires. First decide and say, I'm not going to act 
upon my lust. I'm not going to allow any evil thing to come before my eyes. I'm not going to put myself in a position where I can fall. Change the behavior. You'll change the way you think, and that will in turn change the way you feel. Somebody say amen. So first change the behavior. Proverbs 23 and verse 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. That word thinketh comes from the Hebrew word shear, which means to split or open or to act as a gatekeeper. In other words, we are who we are because of what? The gatekeeper allowed into our minds. Whatever you allow into your soul, that's what you'll be. It's not the other way around. Hallelujah. You have to control the way you look at things. You have to control the gatekeeper if you are going to control the feelings. Praise God. Somebody say, I've got to control the gatekeeper. I've got to control the gatekeeper. How can I do that? Well, we talked about bouncing your eyes, but I think more importantly is we must get a resolve within our heart. Ultimately, Job, it wasn't his accountability, although accountability will absolutely help you. If you need accountability, you are struggling with this kind of thing, and you want accountability, come talk to me afterwards. We'll set you up, and we'll get you accountability. Hallelujah. Certainly accountability will help. Certainly other, there are other options. But number one thing that Job said protected his purity is that he made a covenant. He made a pledge or a promise with his eyes. I know, I know what you're thinking. Oh, I made a promise to God many times. And I've still fallen and I've still done this and I've still done that. I recognize today that words are cheap. But I do think today it would be important for us to renew that covenant and that promise. Not just to God, but also to our eyes. I'm not saying make a covenant to God that says you're never going to fall and, and fall into sexual impurity again. Hallelujah. I think you should absolutely do that. But this is going to the first step. And that's saying I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes. I'm going to promise my eyes. I'm going to make an oath with my eyes that I will not look on things that will cause me to lust and will cause me to fall. Psalms 108 and 1, and I'll end on this if we could stand. Hallelujah. The psalmist said, Oh God, my heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. That means I'm not turning back from this. I've decided the ways of the Lord are greater than my ways. I've decided the way of holiness is better than a life of sin.
I've decided a life of purity is better than a life of impurity. Come on, I believe that I could take I could take hours here to try to convince you of that, but I believe we already know that, right? Hallelujah. Praise God. That's why today all I'm saying is let's join together and let's make a covenant with our eyes that says I'm going to protect what I look at. I'm going to guard my heart by guarding my eyes. I'm going to protect my soul by protecting my eyes. Hallelujah. And as you come down to this altar, I'd like to give each and every one of us a little covenant. This is something I hope you can maybe put in your wallet, put in your purse, keep it with you. Hallelujah. Why don't you come down right now and come and take one of these. And we'll read it together.